0: Morning, church. Morning. My name is Cody King. I'm one of the Con- connections pastors here, and uh, I want to welcome everybody. We're glad that you're here. I want to welcome everyone that is in Edgewood joining us this morning. And um, the last few weeks, uh, as Brandon said earlier, we've been uh, we've been telling stories. Uh, we've heard stories um, from from Brian uh, last week, from Eric and Sam, uh, from Craig just now on the video, and we're going to continue that this morning. And um, and uh, Brian, in week one, he was telling us from Luke 15, he told us three parables or three stories that Jesus gave to the people there. And um, and those three started with the parable of the lost sheep, you know, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. And um, in those stories, he drew a comparison between two different types of people. You know, um, Jesus is speaking to the tax collectors and the sinners, Luke tells us, and then the scribes and the Pharisees. And as he's telling these, these, these parables to these people here, he starts with talking about something that was lost and then found. Something was lost and then it was searched for and then it was found. And when it was found, there was just this great rejoicing. All right, you could sum up what Jesus is saying there in, in verses 7, 10, and 24. And um, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10, he says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 24 says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the point there that Jesus is getting at with those three stories is that something was lost, it was sought after, and it was found. And when it was found, there was a celebration there was great rejoicing at something lost and is found. And that's something that we as a church, every time a sinner repents, if it be one person in every service, if last night when we had 400 plus men in a room, if it be one man that came to know Christ that repented of his sin, we should celebrate that. And here at Stone Point, if you've ever been to one of our baptism celebrations, we celebrate that pretty well. And it's to be celebrated when that happens. But this morning... um, to continue with that, we're going to stay in, in Luke 15. You know, because week one when, when Brian was speaking, um, you know, he went through those parables and kind of explained, uh, explained those things and then those comparisons that Jesus was making. And then when he got to verse 24, you know, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The stories could end right there. In keeping with the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, Jesus could end the story right there, but he continues in verse 25 and following. He begins to talk about the other brother in the story. And as Brian told, told us there in week one, you know, how Brian identified as an older brother. And he walked us through that, what it looked like to be an older brother. So this morning, we're going to stay there and we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a younger brother. We're going to take that other perspective from what it is to be a younger brother Coming back to the Lord. So, um, in verse 11, you know, most translations title this this section, you know, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. But it's odd to me because in verse 11, he says, There was a man who had two sons. For me, this portion is more of a parable of two people, you know, not just one person. But he says there that he had two sons. And then we'll read through this. And the younger of them, said to his father, he said, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. So from that perspective, my story, my part in God's story. I grew up here in Wills Point, um, born and raised in Wills Point. Uh, I had a fantastic childhood. Um, I've always said that I was glad I wasn't a teenager in the 80s, but it was cool being a kid in the 80s. Uh, just that time, I'm sorry if I offended somebody. But... um, I had a wonderful childhood. You know, summers, you know, were just great throughout the neighborhood. You know, we ran and played. We spent nights out, you know, and I remember we'd be we'd be all the way across the neighborhood or down at the primary or the school or something like that. And then if you heard the whistle, you know, it was time to come home. And um, But I remember during that time, you know, as a kid, I don't remember wanting for anything. I think we had we had a fantastic childhood. And we had, I had a great family. I had, I had parents that loved me. I had parents that, that taught us. We uh, were a great influence in my life. We were raised in church you know, Sunday morning, you know, not every Sunday evening, you know, but we went. Wednesday night church, and then as I grew up, I got involved in the youth group, and I remember, well, I don't remember exactly if I was 9 or 10, but I remember being saved. I remember, I remember getting up, walking down the aisle, telling the preacher, you know, with the understanding that, that, that I'm a sinner and that sin separates me from a holy God, and that Jesus paid the penalty for that, so that I could go to the Father. I understood that, right? so I confessed that. And I was baptized, had my salvation, and I grew up in the church. And I mean, I mean, I was involved, deeply involved with the youth group. Um, I went on mission trips. I went, um, you know, to weekend conferences, discipleship nows. I went to the camp every year. You know, I played. Uh, in my sophomore year, I learned to play bass, and I played bass in the in the praise band. You know, it was Blind Faith. That's what we called ourselves. You know, I'm, I mean, intimately involved with what the church was doing when I was a kid. And I carried my Bible to school and I read my Bible, and I was just, I was involved in such a level. I mean, I was, I was growing, and, and honestly, one, one, one summer I came home from camp, and I remember telling my mom, and I told uh, the youth minister, I said, I said I felt a call to ministry. I didn't know exactly what that was or what that meant, but that's just, I just kind of felt that. You know, it might have been that that spiritual high coming off of camp. You know, but as, as as high school went on, my junior year, um, you know, coming up to that, I had a friend that was older than me, and when he graduated and moved on, I didn't have that influence anymore. And and most of my friends that I grew up with, they went to church, but they they weren't plugged in like I was, and I lost some accountability. But at one point, kind of like Craig, I just I got somewhere, you know, experienced some peer pressure, you know, began to go to a party here or there, drink, you know, and then then. That continued recreationally, around that I remember my senior year in high school. I was I was a Defiant president, you know, Drug Free Youth in Texas, in high school, and that was when I first smoked marijuana. As the president of Defiant in high school, you know, but I was a good kid. I was a good student. I still went to church. I still plugged in, did all these things. But just on the weekends, just I began to make worse and worse decisions. Graduated high school. Whenever I got out of high school, I had a little bit more foric freedom to move about. Right? So that just continued, it continued to be more and more. And then whenever I moved out and I went to college and I'm out of the house, that's when I got into the world, and parents, if there's a student listening, if you're at a point where you're about to be out of the house, you're about to step out in the world, it's waiting and it's ready for you to come out and it wants to give you everything it has to offer. And when I got out, it gave me everything it had to offer. And it went from wanting to fit in and doing some of the things that I was doing and the drinking and the smart, smoking and the partying, it came to a point where it was just simply pleasure. I liked the way it made me feel. There was no other reason. My mother asked me, why did you, why did you do that? When I confessed these things to my parents, why did you do drugs? I just liked the way it made me feel. And it all comes back down to misplaced worship. Instead of worshiping God, I began worshiping this world and the pleasure that it gave, and I squandered. It says here that the, the, the younger brother, he squandered his property in reckless living. So he takes his inheritance in reckless living, in the, some translations, you know, in prodigal living. The word prodigal means to spend lavishly or, or be wasteful. All the resources that I had, I was wasteful. I wasted time, I wasted money, I wasted energy. And I would find myself just getting into a pit, and I just had this cycle and pattern of sin. And when your sin becomes normal to you, you don't see it as sin anymore. Proverbs 4 says that that, that, that the wicked walk in darkness, and they don't know what they stumble over. And it came to a point where you just it's so normal, you just do it, and you don't even realize it. But in the back of my mind, whenever things went bad, I knew where to go. Don't we all? When things get bad, if we have any inclination, Inclination of of who God is, if we've been in church in any way, when things go bad, we know where to turn. And we, oh, Lord, help me. I can think of so many times and just, just shamefully crying out to God and asking his help out of this hole that I dug in this just pit of muck and mire in the haze that I was in and asking him to get me out. Lord, if you get me out of this, I won't do it anymore. And then when I come out of it, days go by, but then right back into it. I did that for years for years 2010 is when you would you know what would you say you hit rock bottom you know i was just spinning out of control with with drinking and drug abuse and the things that i was doing and I, outside of that the people that i was doing it with i was fooling everyone but then in verse 17 um says the younger brother he says but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger. He says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, he was in a far off country, and when he came to this realization, when he came to himself, and I'm gonna go back to my father, he had to go from a far away country to his father, he had some distance to go. So in 2010, when I just had this, this rock bottom moment, I literally just, my body quit. I quit. I got to a point where I put so much in, it shut down no more. And I realized I've got to do something different. I've got to quit. But that didn't mean that I instantly was good and never did anything again, but I knew I had to start heading back in a different direction. In about 2011, when some point started, when I heard that Brandon Bachtel, who was that friend in high school that graduated and went to college? When I heard that he was moving back to Will's Point and he was going to plant a church, and yes, someone asked me to come, I just, no, I'm not going to go to that church. But eventually I ended up walking through those doors, and I remember when I came through those doors and I saw everything that was going on, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. The first time I walked into Stone Point, couldn't stand it. There wasn't, amount of, there wasn't, there wasn't enough handshakes, hugs, and welcomes coming through to that chair that made me like it at all just everything that was going on. I came in and looked at the screen, we got drums, we got a band playing, and, and there's all this stuff. And I was like, this, this isn't church. In church, I won't give me a choir, right? Let me Give me some How Great Thou Art, you know, a little old, old rugged cross, a closer walk with thee, speak to me, and let me leave. That, that was church, right? And I come in on all this thing, and I didn't like it at all, right? And it was the Holy Spirit that kept me coming back, but over time as I came back, I knew that I needed, what I needed was here. And I continued to come And over time, the Lord just, he he began just moving, working things in me. You know, if you're here today and you're in the middle of a pattern of sin that you think you can't get out of, guess what? You can't. The enemy has a way of keeping us right where we're at because we think we can do it on our own. But if you come to Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, the enemy's going to tell you another lie, that it's all going to go away instantly. It's not going to happen like that but if you give your life to Jesus, you begin to start following Jesus and seeking after Jesus, what happens? He says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. In verse 20, he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. If we would come to ourselves, when I came to myself and I started heading in that direction, he saw me from a long way off and he started coming to me. He ran towards me, he kept me here. I started serving. I was doing the sound upstairs. When Mark Johnston found out that I played the guitar, he asked me to play the guitar. I said, no, you're not going to get me on that stage. God said, Bet that. You know, I continue, so I start playing, and I'm just, I'm, I'm plugging in more and more. The first group link that we had here, I remember uh, the first time I went into a, a journey group, I would uh, I'd went over to Shane King's house after service, and we just hung out with him, and we ended up just napping on his couch. But then it came time for journey groups, so everybody showed up. So my first journey group, I was just there by accident, and I'm just I'm sitting in this Bible study, and all of a sudden I'm remembering. The Lord is reminding me of high school, that's my childhood. Reminding me who I was. Cody, you, you, you've done this. You know what, what's going on here. And I liked it. I mean, sit there and have a Bible study and just talk about God's word. Right? And then the first group link, Stuart Fuchson, he said, he said, Cody, you should lead a group. Said, no, I'm not gonna lead a group. No, I'm you're kidding me. I ain't gonna lead a group. But by the end of that group link, I had a group. <laughs> and we were a ragtag bunch. But I was leading, started leading a people. You know, Brandon, you know, we met in the mornings with a couple other guys, and he began mentoring and discipling me and teaching me how to teach. Then over time, just the Lord began working. And all the while, while all this is happening, I'm still, I'm still drinking, still smoking a little bit. You know, but that stuff, over time, it just less and less and less. That desire began to go away to do so. You know, my friends that I did all that stuff with, they were getting married and moving here, or there. You know, so we weren't going out that much. But uh, I remember one night, uh, well, when it all changed, I was at the house and um, I was bored. Nobody else around. You know, I live out in the country. What do you do when you're bored out in the country? If you know, you, t- you tend to be up to no good. I just got in the truck and I just drove around county roads, and I just had this little loop that I would make there around the house out there. And and as I'm driving that night, it's it's a it's a Beautiful night. It's cool. I get the windows down. There's not a cloud in the sky. Stars are out. It's just a nice night. I was just in a good mood, and I'm driving, listening to music. And and, and I come up on, on this road there, and uh, we call it the secret road. And it was just all grown grown up around it. It was just a muddy road if it was wet. But it just goes through a gate and it dead ends into a pa- pasture. I thought, why well, I hadn't driven down this road in a while. I mean, it's ignorant. I mean, you're just going to drive to the dead-end road. You're going to turn around and come back. So I turn. I'm just dr- headed down this road, and and I'm listening to this music. And all of a sudden, um, this song comes on on my shelf. I've got 3,000 songs on this iPod. Twelve of those 3,000 were praise and worship songs from, like, the 1990s. And all of a sudden, this song comes on. And it was a third-day song. It was uh, Agnes Day. And, uh, and it came on, and I just started listening to it, you know, and... And, and initially I was I was gonna skip it. I reached down to skip it, but something told me not to skip it. Right. So I just I just let it play. But then um you know the father said to his servants, Well, I'm jumping ahead, but but he ran out and kissed him. The father saw him coming, ran out to him, and embraced him and had compassion and just kissed him. At that point I'm Reaching down to to skip the song, and I don't skip it. I just let it play. But the words are, hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Holy, holy are you, Lord God. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. And it just repeats that over and over and over. Just with the music and everything, and I just let it play. You And then I caught myself. I turned it to 11, and I opened the door, and I got out of the truck, and under the heavens and stars and creation and all that, I'm just praising praising for the first time in over 10 years i got my hands there and i'm just singing this song giving it up to god and i just had this moment there where the holy spirit met me the god of creation at that point in my life i was literally but spiritually and figuratively i'm driving down a dead end road that leads nowhere by myself and he ran out to me and he stopped me where i was at god. and he reminded me of who i was You know what the universal sign for surrender is, and that night I just I gave it up, and I sang praise. The word hallelujah is just praise, praise to God for who He is, and He called me out of that lifestyle, and I got in my truck and I turned around. I went straight back to the house. I spent the rest of the night just on my knees, just praying through years of just sin. An outright rebellion against the holy God. The verse twenty-two, but the Father, as as the Son, begins to give his 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 um, his apology. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your Son. Right? You ever you do something wrong and then you practice your response. Right? When you're a kid, you gotta go to your parents and fess up to what's happening you know, and you practice this over and over and he gets there and he gets to his father and he begins to this. But in 22, the father cuts him off but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and was found and they began to celebrate. But he says that he, he said, bring quickly the best robe, the best robe in the ring and put shoes on his feet, he completely covered his son. You can't imagine the rags that this, that this younger brother was wearing when he returned home and the father completely covered him. If you go back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and when they sinned and they become aware of their sin and they were naked they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths to cover, cover themselves up but it wasn't sufficient because in verse 21 of chapter 3 God says that he made covering for them. What they did wasn't sufficient, but God covered it. And just like he had the best robe and completely covered him down to his feet. And celebrated. Remember that sin no more as if, as it was as if he did nothing before. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And and going through this story and just in my story when I began thinking about it, you know, before I even knew Brian in week one, went to Luke eleven. That was that was that was that was my story. I'm the younger brother. I knew I was the younger brother, but the truth is, church, is that everyone in here is a younger brother. Everyone in here is was lost and is now found or you're still lost. But if you're still lost, come to yourself and the Father is gonna come to you. And then rejoice in that. But for me now as as a younger brother lost and found and, and just all that God has done in my life and brought me here, the call that I felt him place in my life Fifteen years ago when I was in school after camp. It's fulfilled. You know, I, that, the weight of that hit me back in August when I came on full-time. That God called me, I thought, to full-time ministry when I was a sophomore in high school or a junior in high school. And all these years later, he fulfilled that in me. But if I'm not careful now as a younger brother is, as, as, as I go on, like week one. We're not careful, church. We can easily become an older brother. And we can start looking at people like an older brother did with his younger brother. Look at everything his younger brother did and hate him for it because of what it's going to cost him to accept him back. And church, if we begin looking at people outside of these walls through that those eyes, I pray God closes his door. If you were with us last week and, and we heard from, from Sam and Eric, you see the picture of this story played out right there. Eric, the younger brother, Sam, the older brother. And if Sam would have continued to look at Eric through the eyes of an older brother, you wouldn't have seen that story last week. But instead, he looked at Eric through the eyes of Jesus, was obedient to Jesus, and accepted him. And you saw, and you just, you just if you missed last week, I can't walk you through all of it. You need to go and go online and watch it. But you see the love of God between two men. And that's what this church is all about. That's what my life has been all about. All those years was lost. Now I'm found. If you were here and you were lost, come to yourself. Come to yourself and take a step Towards God, and He will run to you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for, um, I thank you for all the stories, Lord that um, that we have here, Lord. Story after story after story, Lord, of of lives radically changed for Your glory, Lord. Stories of just of redemption, Lord. Stories of healing. Or stories of mercy, stories of freedom. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for your story, Lord. I thank you for the part that I'm able to play in your story, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that, that as I continue from here, Lord, as we all continue from here, God, that, that as your story begins to play out, Lord, that we remain younger brothers lord with the mindset that we were lost and now we're found and we never find ourselves getting to that point where we have an older brother mentality lord you didn't finish the story you didn't tell us what the older brother went on to do you didn't tell us what the younger brother went on to do you didn't tell us if the older brother ended up going into the party you left it open lord because there's not a finality to it lord that we can always come to ourself, Lord. And head back to you, Lord. And I pray that you break our hearts for the things that break yours, Lord. See people differently and see ourselves as who we are, Lord. Broken in need of a Savior, Lord. And that we would return to you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.